0: Coming up next on The Jeff Curly Show, if you think you know all there is to know about feminism, then you haven't met the head of the new wave feminist, her journey just ahead. Well, I know there are stereotypes associated with feminism. Everybody, when you say that word, it can be a word that is polarizing to some people. They already have their mind made up on what that stands for. But we're about to change some minds today with uh, Destiny Herndon-De La Rosa. She's with New Wave Feminists. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Well, I, I want you to share with us your journey. Uh, you didn't intend for this to become a big national... Ever. Uh, yeah.
1: No, yeah, it it started as like a MySpace page and a couple friends and um, throughout the years just kind of blew up because they're, so New Wave Feminists is a consistent life ethic group. We believe in protecting the vulnerable from violence from womb to tomb. So it's kind of a little unusual. People think it's a dichotomy that we are pro-life feminists. We don't focus a lot on the legality of abortion, but more just how do we support women? And so we actually have a lot of pro-choice followers as well who are like, choosing to continue a pregnancy and raise a child is one of the options and just how can we support women really well? I think a lot of people had a desire for that. A lot of pro-life women were like, well, I'm a feminist, but I've been told that I don't fit into this space. And, you know, feminism's rooted in rebellion. So I was like, well, let's create the space. Let's just, let's do it. And it has thankfully grown over the years because of that.
0: And you were telling me right before we went on that this actually started because you were kicked out of a march? Oh, no, no.
1: That happened years later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Back in 2017, we were sponsors for the Women's March on Washington. And we made it very clear we were anti-abortion, but we said, we agree with you on so many of these other issues that we need to tackle uh, collectively, as women in society, and so we were sponsors for four glorious days, and then they um, somebody got upset about it on Twitter, some big feminist, and she's like, "How can you have them in?" So they kicked us out, and it I, I kind of thought it would go unnoticed, but Rolling Stone starts calling me, and BBC, and NPR, and everybody wants us to comment on it, and so I think that's kind of what put us on the map. I had two weeks of just doing a ton of interviews and um, getting to explain our version of pro-life, our version of feminism, you know, what the consistent life ethic is. And I found that a lot of people who might disagree with me on some of the points when they hear me talk about immigration, racial justice, you know, uh, death penalty, these other issues that that are womb to tomb issues, they were like, okay, well, I think you're crazy about that one thing, but I do agree with you on this other stuff. And I'm a highly intelligent person, so you can't be all that bad. And it really opened a lot of doors for very productive conversation there's so much more common ground than i think most of us realize cuz we're we're told we have to be on these extremes and we're polarized but when you talk to the person right in front of you sure. there's so much we can work together on
0: and I was uh, on your Facebook page, and you have—I don't know if you call them meetup groups or chapters—but they're they're all over the place. Uh, talk a little bit about how it's grown over the years.
1: Yeah, it's been really cool um, to be able to go and speak to college-age kids mm-hmm. because they are the ones kind of in that window where their friends are experiencing unplanned pregnancies and um, you know having to drop out of school. My mom actually became pregnant with me at 19 at the University of Texas, and. Ended up, you know, delaying her degree by 10 years. And so I think that's why I was always a feminist. I was always pro-life, because I know it would have been very easy uh, for her to terminate me. And yet the accommodations still haven't advanced that much. Like how are we helping pregnant and parenting students? How are we accommodating them? It shouldn't be, you know, a young woman has to choose between her future or her child. Like Feminism should be about equity and her being able to have both.
0: Do you feel like, it is it getting a little easier um, uh, just because we're in a time when, uh, in? you know, being inclusive and being diverse and, uh, having an opinion that might be different from the masses is really supposed to be exact, accepted.
1: <laughs> it is. It's, it's supposed to be part of intersectional feminism. Um, you know, the funny thing, like with the March, for example, mm-hmm. the higher ups decided to remove us as sponsors, but we still went. And so it was actually amazing to get out there and the, the people, the actual other women we were marching with, it was an amazing day and they would come up and they're like, we think it's wrong, you know, and they're dressed head to toe in You know, Planned Parenthood stuff or something. You would think that they wouldn't agree with us, but they said, "You have every right to be here. You have a different opinion. Like, guess what? Part of being a woman is being strong and being able to handle different opinions and have this dialogue and be constructive." And so, it was a beautiful day. Um, So, I think that that's again, it's you have the talking heads, you have the people who you know kind of divide us, and then you have the real boots on the ground people who are doing the work and loving women and trying to make an equitable society. And they seemed completely fine with us
0: sure and i, I know uh, you had to be watching the roe versus wade decision and um, what was your reaction to that
1: i think it was really mixed because um you know my mom had her unplanned pregnancy and then 16 years later i also faced one and i can tell you that when that second line shows up and i more than anyone knew how difficult that life was like it was incredibly incredibly just terrifying and the chaos and panic you feel and I don't know how much laws affect that. I I feel like we've kind of cut off the supply side, but we need to address the demand side. The reason I was able to choose life and and now have a 22-year-old son, he's amazing, is because I had roof over my head, food in my mouth, quality health care. I didn't have to um, be thrust into destitution overnight. And so that type of support, I don't think the government's going to save us. I think we have to save ourselves. I think a lot of it is how do you love the woman right in front of you in your community? How do you step up and help her? Because at the end of the day, she will probably find a way to terminate if she is that desperate. Like the, the fear and panic is real. And so taking some of that chaos and desperation away by meeting her basic needs, I think is, is the best way to be effective in pro-life activism.
0: Sure. And you're very passionate about a project, and I want you to describe this. We're going to show a news piece here in a second, but maybe set this up by what what is this project that you're involved in?
1: So this is in Mexico, right? Yeah. I get to talk about yeah. it. Uh, so we've got a stellar shelter, that's what we're calling it. It's the New Wave Feminist Consistent Life Ethics Center in Juarez, Mexico, which is is a beautiful city, but it's fraught with violence, obviously, and a lot of um, women who come up to seek asylum uh, because they are fleeing. I mean, the most horrific stuff you can imagine. And a lot of times when they get here, they will be pregnant, sometimes from sexual assault along the way. And they're just incredibly vulnerable. And so, um, you know, we've got a board member who lives in El Paso. El Paso and Moras are basically twin cities, just with a, a border in between them. And it's her community and she knows it and loves it and was working down there. And uh, we got the opportunity to buy this huge house down there that um, we're going to be able to house uh, so many women and children and just keep them safe while they wait to, to see if their asylum cases are accepted. Um, and then we're also going to be setting up a medical clinic on the side of it. We have the perfect building for that. And so we can offer pregnancy resource care, um, but then also just well woman care, not only to the women staying at the shelter, but also the community at large. And we are so excited about it. It was a wild dream that was never supposed to happen. And then it did. And um, hoping to open here in the next few months. And it's just it's beautiful too. On top of it, it's just beautiful. And we definitely believe in, you know, dignity and housing and sure. letting people know how loved they are and how valued they are. So being able to put them in this gorgeous space and just create community with them, is gonna be, it's gonna be wonderful.
0: That's awesome. I love the way your eyes light up when you talk about this. Uh, we've got a news piece. Let's go ahead and roll that.
1: ...you to pop up along the border. And as a, number, a record number of migrants arrive in the U.S., our Luis Garcia shows us how one of the newest shelters caters specifically to women and children.
2: Into that Juarez, there are dozens of migrant shelters, but none of them exclusively for women and with its own clinic. Until now. Karina Breceda is a woman from El Paso who for six years has dedicated herself to looking after the migrants who arrived in Juarez.
3: What it really was when they started jailing the migrants underneath the bridge. And I walked over one, one time in it was my first time seeing them. And I saw this this ocean of, of children crying. And my organization is a consistent life ethic organization, which means we're, we're pro-life. And for me, migration is a pro-life issue.
2: Karina belongs to the New Wave Feminist Organization that, after a lot of searching, found a large house that would function as a shelter. And when they discovered the Stella Maris on the floor of the house, they knew it was the perfect place.
3: Uh, Stella Maris in Spanish is Rosa de los Vientos. It's this uh, formation that forms in the desert and it's almost like this guide. So for us this was like Stella Maris guiding here like the migrants in the desert like this, like this, the star of the sea and the star of like the Rio Bravo.
2: This new shelter will hold 60 women and children on a long-term basis, but there is also enough space to expand the capacity to 100 people during migratory surges.
3: We just need a little bit like, of paint, and then we have the nursery almost ready. Um, we need a little bit of details of the bathroom and, and some of the flooring, um, but I think our biggest need right now is volunteers.
2: To have, we're going to have sort of a Catholic worker model movement here. But the shelter will also have its own clinic for pregnant women.
3: But we hope to have our own sonogram machine here and um, medical personnel to give uh, full woman's health care, which is STD testing and uh, sonograms and um, pap smears and everything that you know the, um, a woman needs to to have like a healthy healthy pregnancy.
2: So Karina can wait for the shelter to be ready.
3: It's, it's not just a space that we can provide. we want to provide something that's dignified to people to to reaffirm their their dignity as people. and um, I want the beer community to see, that it's not a problem that's coming down. This is beautiful life that's coming to the
1: border.
0: And you were telling me during the piece that it's really come a long way since that piece was done. It's
1: gorgeous. Our kitchen is black and hot pink and white and it's just, it is such a cool space. Like I can't wait to show people. I actually took my husband down for the first time last week and he said, okay, pictures do not do justice. This place is huge. Like we're going to be able to serve so many people in the community. It's Mm -hmm. really amazing.
0: Well, I know uh, that both your organization and this organization uh, work off of donations. So uh, uh, look into the camera on the left, and, and just uh, talk to the viewer on on why they need to to donate.
1: Yeah, I mean, supporting our work, uh, 100% of the donations go directly to our border effort. When you get to the page that says Stellar Shelter, it all goes directly to the border. And um, even during this time while we're getting our shelter up and running, you know, there's been a crisis in El Paso. And so Karina, my best friend, the one in the interview, the most amazing human being in the world, um, she literally was going out every night finding women and children and getting them safe housing, even on the El Paso side. And so donations were able to help us do that. And just, again, care for, for the most vulnerable, um, and that's definitely what we're seeing down there, but being able to, to you know see something on TV and say, this is really heart-wrenching, and I wish I could do something Karina is the boots on the ground, and I'm very lucky that I get to go and participate in that work with her as well. But she's running the show down there and taking care of those people. So it will go to very good use if you want to donate.
0: Outstanding. I think it's only appropriate that your name is Destiny because truly you're living your destiny right now. We're going to end with the website, which is newwavefeminist.com. Destiny, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's it for now. We'll see you next time.